Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. What's up, people? This is DJ. Hey, mi gente, this is Ish. And, and this, this is season, season two, two of Pero Let Me Tell, tell You. Salsa. Dancey can do nothing for me, baby. <laughs> well, everyone, welcome to episode 49. Yes, you get double the intro, double the fun. <laughs> do we have Spear... Uh, Rig- what is it? Wrigley's... Yes, What's actually, extra- we're actually recording this while riding a tandem bike. Exactly. Yes. And we're those two blonde <laughs> twins. <laughs> extra flavor goes an extra, extra long, long time. Way. Away yeah, extra flavor. For when, that, no, for the extra long smile, mile. When you're chewing extra, the extra great flavor goes an extra, extra, extra long time. Do they still make extra? Raise long? your hand if you're sure. <laughs> anyway. Episode so, 49 is just going to be us singing jingles. Exactly. Um, <laughs> oye, te lo digo yo. <laughs> but speaking of jingles, this past Sunday was a Super Bowl. Uh huh. I was not that impressed with the ads. I feel like as a whole, the Super Bowl was lackluster. Yeah, the game was boring. The <laughs> halftime was boring. Nobody was really talking <laughs> the about the ads the next day. Yeah. I mean, yeah. What was up with that? I mean, I think the only ad that I would say I enjoyed, and I had seen their their previous actual spot, was for um, the Backstreet for, Boys. For, I like that one, but for the one for Microsoft. For okay. the, the, the little kid, yeah, with the gaming systems, right? I thought that was just yeah, that was cute, beautiful. Actually, like let me ask you this though, and I want to talk about the halftime show in a minute. And um, everybody, welcome to episode forty nine. Yes, forty nine. Here we are, away from fifty. Um, everybody is talking about the Super Bowl as they do, like right after um, this week. Yeah, yeah. So let me ask you from an advertising perspective. Okay, do you think that? Um, the whole thing with the Super Bowl ads, do you think that that's peaked? And there's a reason why I'm asking you this. I remember until not too long ago, 
I mean, the Super Bowl ads were not only were they one of the reasons why people would watch, but they would be such a big deal. Yeah. I mean, do you remember the Budweiser? Yeah. I mean, people production. were talking about that for days and weeks, and and it was such a like phenomenon. Uh, my personal favorite that has come out in like maybe the last ten years, which I thought was brilliant, um, was the ki- with Volkswagen, the kid with oh, Darth, with Vader, Darth Vader. That yeah. he turned on the car. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, yeah. Was that was great. very simple, but amazing. Like, was everybody perfect. was talking about it for days. And I feel that now, I, 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 I feel they don't have that effect. And I know that a lot of times now, they release the yes. commercial beforehand. Yeah. I'm sure they do that for a reason. But then at the same time, it's like, okay, I've already seen this when so, it premieres. So, do you think it's peaked? I think it has. And I think one of the biggest reasons for that is, like you mentioned, they release the ads beforehand now. The, one of the reasons that they do that is because they also realize people have a very short attention span mm-hmm. now, and people don't talk about things for as long as they used to. Also, it's gotten so expensive to run in the Super Bowl, and even though it is still one of the highest rated live events in the mm-hmm. U.S., so the ratings are always good. Although and, this one was the lowest ratings in, I think, like 10 years. But compared to other, other programs, yeah. I mean, you're, you're it's getting, still the highest rated it's the highest show rated show like this the year, year or right? Whatever. Except for like the finale of Mash, right? Which that's still which actually no, that was bumped off a couple of years ago by a Super Bowl. Okay, well there we I go. Was so fucking excited. <laughs> um, Down with Mash. No, because for the longest time it was like, oh, it is the highest rated blah blah blah. Except for the finale of Mash, it's like you know, damn it, something had to take it over. Yeah, exactly. But um, so what's also happening is because. You know, people are are time shifting. They're not watching live TV. Super Bowls are still very expensive. These advertisers want to try and make sure that they're getting the most bang for their buck because it's not just paying for the commercial to air. They have to pay to get that thing produced. And especially most of these have celebrities and big names and production value. So they want to make sure that there's buzz going around and that they're kind of getting their money's worth. So that's why you see it pop up a lot now on uh, Right, digital. but wouldn't you... Okay, but... W- I understand what you're saying, but wouldn't you say that that's what used to happen before? I agree. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's changed. Without it? Because, again, these commercials, until not too long ago, mm-hmm. um, everybody would talk about them. It was, what's the saying? The, um, the water cooler. The water cooler. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, my shit. You read my mind. <laughs> Isn't that what we do here? <laughs> I, was like, I was thinking of a water cooler. I'm like, okay, the, what is it? The water cooler you know, moment of the next day? <laughs> we office. finish each other's sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> my sandwich my sa- anyway uh ross um exa- yeah it was like a water cooler moment yeah the exactly. following day everybody would be talking about it and now it's like blah it's like oh whatever yeah i mean again i'm in the industry so it's a little different like i know that monday and our you know, in our offices, it's like, oh, did you see it? And there's people checking Ad Week, and you know, they do mm-hmm. the recaps and all that. But I, yeah, I don't think people nowadays are, are as excited about it as before. I, I think it has to do with that. I mean, they're re- they release it beforehand, so there's no before. reason to, exactly. to watch it. So it's like when I see it, yeah, it's yeah, like okay, the Backstreet Boys. Oh, okay, yeah. I saw that like two weeks ago on right. Kathy Lee and Hoda. Because we're not talking about like a teaser, right? You, before you would have somebody say like, oh. I've got a uh, you know a surprise for you at the Super Bowl, right. and you didn't know what they were going to do or what brand or what have you. But now we know so much about everything. When Ali Landry was a Doritos girl, did My that premiere in the Super Bowl? That's a really good question. That was a great know. commercial. You know who else is in that commercial, right? Oh. <laughs> okay, so you know it's Ali Landry in the the laundromat, uh-huh. and it's two guys watching her. Uh huh. The guy that says like Hachi Machi or whatever that he says like whatever is Sean Hayes. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, she became the Doritos girl after that. So, you know. I'm just saying, like, who, you know, that's where. (laughs) And the guy Screech married. Screech. And the video for 98 Degrees. Screech married a guy in. No, dude. (laughs) Ali Landry was in the video for 98 Degrees. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) The terrible song. Anyway, let's get to the um, halftime show. That halftime show with Maroon 5. I I mean, I didn't hate it. I didn't look. I look. I don't think it's the worst thing that has ever happened in performance performances because some you go online and some people are like, it's the like it's yeah. hell coming. It's the end of the world. It wasn't. I mean, tampoco <laughs> no tanto. I just don't think it was. To me, it was award show caliber, something you'd see on the American Music Awards, yeah, uh, on the Grammys. It wasn't. Super Bowl because for the Super Bowl there's no room for modesty that's right. where, where I want pyrotechnics and I want right. acrobats and I want you know like Lady Gaga that threw herself I want down left the shark and right shark yes yes <laughs> I want what, when Madonna came in with like a Roman Empire you know like I want all that, that like that's when you go all Spectacle. out and I just think that for a band it's a little bit trickier that's true like, um, yeah, when we say a band, we mean like an actual band that plays their own instruments. It's a little like, bit trickier. Right. The only band that has been able to pull that off has been U2. And, you know, U2's a different animal. They're stadium rock. They're stadium rock. They're all about like the yeah. big stage. And um, also U2's performance, which actually today, when you got here today... Um, I was reading on Rolling Stone their top 10 Super Bowl performances of all time, and they ranked U2's performance in 2002 as the best, most iconic performance. And I completely agree. Not only because I love U2, but because, you know, their performance was very relevant for that moment. The fact that it was right after 9-11. but for I think for bands it's a little trickier. I, I, I when I think of super a Super Bowl performance, I think of a performance, you know, with dancers and all right, that right, stuff. spectacle. And you know, in Maroon Five, I mean, they were doomed from the beginning. I, I just I thought it was like a weird. I remember when, I think you were the one who told me that I was like really yeah. Maroon Five. I mean, I, I, again, I don't think it's like Satan coming on Earth, but you know, you know what? Next year they should just get Los Illegales. <laughs> You wanted to mix it up? Yeah. Let's do Ahí it. Está. Do like a Ahí 90s está. Spanish pop. Do Los Ilegales Proyecto 1, MDO. <laughs> Se la llevo el tiburón, el tiburón. And, because it's going to be in Miami, have it be the Men and Booty Girls. <laughs> Get them back together. Get them back together. Oh my God, can you, can, can you imagine? Can you imagine? Oh my god, I just thought about something. I just thought about something. I just thought about something. That we're going to get Pitbull next year? (gasps) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, but fair enough. But Pitbull delivers spectacle. To your point. (sighs) Okay. To your point, he delivers spectacle. Okay, I guess. (laughs) Anyway. Plus, he can probably get a lot of special guests. I mean, he features on everybody's song. Okay, anyway. Bueno, I'm tired of talking about this. (laughs) Give me the end of the scene. Uh, So... Another week, another thing that's now inappropriate or racist. Oh, cupcakes? Um, probably just the marble ones. Okay. Because they're trying too hard. Um, so what movie would you think, beloved, iconic movie, would you think has racist undertones? Please don't tell me it's Pretty Woman. Mm-hmm. Well, there's no black people in that, but no. I... I don't even know where to start with this. I I don't know. Um, you tell me. Mary Poppins. Um, 
Okay. <laughs> the new one or the old one? The or both, essentially. Okay. So, this week in the New York Times, it was an op-ed by... Oh, yeah, another op-ed. By, I, people, <sighs> listen, you know how I feel about opinions. By an English professor from Linfield College mm-hmm. uh, by the name of Daniel Pollock Pelsner. Mm-hmm. He argues that in the original Mary Poppins book, there is a history of racism that carried through to the first movie and subsequent mm-hmm. movie as well. So he says, one of the more indelible images from the film, from the 64 film, is of Mary Poppins blacking up. When the magical nanny accompanies her young charges up their chimney, her face gets covered in soot, but instead of wiping it off, she gamely powders her nose and cheeks even blacker. Then she leads the children on a dancing exploration of London rooftops with Dick Van Dyke's sooty chimney sweep Bert. The writer claims that the novels associate chimney sweeps blackened faces with racial caricature. Okay, you're going to have to take the reins on this one because I haven't seen that movie. I hate Mary Poppins. You've never seen Mary Poppins? I hate Mary Poppins. How do you Poppins? hate Mary Poppins if you've never seen it? I hate I, I don't like it. She annoys me. A spoonful of sugar. It's Julie Andrews. I, I, we love Julie Andrews. And what's his name? Dick Van Dyke. He's a national uh, yeah, treasure. Dick Van Dyke. I've, I've only seen parts of, of Oh, this Mary is what Poppins. we're going to talk about now. Forget the racism. This is, <laughs> wait, how? I, okay. I love Disney. Yeah. You know I love Disney. That's exactly why I'm so shocked. But Mary Poppins... Is up there with Lion King. I don't like the Lion King. But you've seen Lion no, King. The Lion King I've seen. Right. The Mary Poppins, I've seen Supercalifragilisticexpia. I've seen that n- number. And I know the thing. I know that there's a chimney involved. Is Mary Poppins the one where they have the 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 Newfie? No, that's Peter Pan. The what? The Newfoundland dog. The Newfie. The Newfie? The dog. The dog. A perro. Nana? Yes, that's from when, when, when Wendy Williams. It's from uh, Peter Pan, right? <laughs> How you doing, Peter? <laughs> I would love I'm thinking to of rooftops. That's the problem. I'm thinking of rooftops. I now want to see Wendy Williams flying across the London skyline. No, on the magic carpet ride. <laughs> but that's not Peter Pan. That's now Aladdin, too. Mama, with it, Aladdin, I... Have you seen any Disney movies? I've seen all the Disney movies, and you know that I have them. And I have actually Mary Poppins on video. I just don't care for but that you've movie. you've never seen it. I've never seen it from start to finish. And I know... Okay, I know... Dick Van Dyke cleans chimneys, right? He's a, He's chimney. a chimney sweep. Yeah. Okay, but I, 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 yes, I could, I can see him dirty, but I don't. I haven't seen her dirty. I can't. I know that she always has a big bag, and she comes flying con la sombrilla paraguayese. That's why the new one, the new one. This might I, be my favorite thing. I ever. wanted, I wanted to give it a chance because I love Emily Blunt, right? And I like Lin Manuel. Well, Miranda. we have to by law. Yeah, but I love Emily Blunt. So I was like, eh, you know, maybe I'll give it a try. But I'm like, ugh. You know how I feel about musicals. I'm like, ugh. I don't want to sit through, like, two and a half hours of singing about a, a, a singing nanny. <laughs> there are worse things than a singing nanny. It could be Fran Drescher as the singing nanny. But you know what? You know my, my dislike of musicals? But you have to give me credit. Because every time that NBC airs one of those musicals I tried for a very long time I'm like you know what you gave it the college start. I'm gonna sit down and watch The Sound of Music with Carrie Underwood have you ever seen The Sound of Music with Julie Andrews well no I know the part which starts twirling in the mountains okay so you've never seen The Sound of Music I've se- okay have I've you se- ever seen a Julie Andrews performance <laughs> I saw The Princess Diaries I like that one <laughs> with you know 
I love the Devil's War. The Devil's War. That one I love. The Devil. But that wasn't Juliana. I know, but it's but it's it's uh, como se llama esta chiquita? And Hathaway. And Hathaway. You know. <laughs> That's what before everybody hated her. Why did everybody start hating Anne Hathaway? This has nothing to do with the topic. You know what? This is much, much better topic. Why did everybody start hating on Anne Hathaway? Because she was cute nice and, and cute and bubbly and happy. <laughs> and you know, we can't have that in this Kill day. Kill the bitch. Of, yeah. You can't have this in this day of Twitter. <laughs> Kill the bitch. That bitch is too fucking happy. <laughs> she's too, she's going to be too shoes. She should be taken down a peg. <laughs> I know. I think of her with measles. Is it measles that she had in the French in um in Les Mis? Les Mis? I don't think it was measles. I think it was La Rubiola. No. <laughs> Para que tú sepas that that's the first musical I, I ever saw on Broadway. What? Oh, really? Nineteen ninety four. Oh, wait. What is? How do you? What is mumps in Spanish? La papera. La papera. <laughs> Did she have la papera? In 17th century France. I think she died from syphilis. Okay. Because she was a prostitute. Or the consumption. I don't... Yeah, maybe. But I feel like more prostitutes died of syphilis than the consumption. Okay, I. you know what I'm thinking of? When we write up this episode, I'm not sure what the topic is. <laughs> I'm, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry to our listeners, but this is what you call rambling. This is, this is what you guys show up for. You guys show up for the... the I apologize the, for the, the witty banter. So, no. I have not seen <laughs> Mary Poppins in its entirety. Okay. And I, I've i seen... Okay. I did not know the Nazi angle of The Sound of Music until I saw... I never saw the movie. I don't care for the movie. But what did you think that they left us, Austria for? I don't know. And you know what's so funny? When I went to Salzburg in Austria, I took a tour of the scenes of The Sound of Music. And I was like, I don't know none of these. <laughs> I was like, it's all beautiful. But I'm like, we took a tour that it was taking you to the sites. They're, 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 they end up in Vienna, right? They end up in Vienna? Yes. Okay, in Vienna. Yeah. No, no, no. Listen how extensive my tour. No, they are in Vienna and then they leave to Switzerland. Okay. Because they, they, they the Swiss Alps. That's where they escape Okay. Through. I know that there's a part that they end up in something that looks like a greenhouse. Like a little, very pretty... Yes. That's toward the end of the movie when they're leaving after the... Because they perform. Okay, I've been there too. That's in another country. Is that Switzerland? I've been there too. That I'll never forget. They were like, oh, this is the original from the, from, from the Sound of Music. So I'm like, okay. In Salzburg, I went to all the areas that they shot the movie in. And then you. when I went to... I guess it's Switzerland. I went there too. So I... I've been to the locations, but I don't know the movie. Me Whatever, man. You've never seen The Silence of the Lambs. So you know what? Whatever. That's true. Okay. I think Sound of Music is more iconic. I will argue that. Uh, no. Clarice? Hannibal Lecter? I mean, Sound really? Sound of Music's more iconic because it's all ages. So is Hannibal Lecter. Kids nowadays are into that. <laughs> Kids nowadays are watching Silence of the Lambs. That movie now would probably be PG. Like kids, kids will probably go. To, they will probably take elementary school. Kidorita Tristan goes to like see the Silence of the Lambs. You know to study to study um, different personalities. Oh, okay. You know, so we learn not to judge people exactly. with personality disorder. People that right. disassociative personality disorder. Right. Who are also a little bit of cannibals. Right. Right. Well, that's that's dietary choice. Mm-hmm. That's like keto. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Hannibal Lecter was the first keto. It was all about paleo. It was all about protein. Oh, how horrible. Okay, this is like the most disheveled episode I think we've ever recorded. 
But this is what happens great. when we have like an up in the air topic. This is true. This is true. So the point is, I have been to all the places of the Sound of Music. You haven't, but I don't know the movie, but you do. And thus, balance is restored to the world. Whatever, man. You don't like Titanic. I don't. It's a stupid movie. But it is a stupid movie. Titanic is a beautiful movie that has. Well, you know, I don't care about this love story. I care about the ship. Exactly. Whatever, stupid movie. So, anyway. You know what's not a stupid movie? What? Our next guest. Well, our next guest is not a movie. I I can't believe that we're transitioning into our guest already without actually having a real topic to talk about. I apologize to our listeners. You know, if if you've listened to us long enough, you know that we're somewhat structured. Um, I don't know what happened this time around. Sometimes you get structure. Sometimes it's a little looser. Sometimes I run and sometimes I hide. Are we going to film an Oxima commercial now? No, Chico. Anyway, bueno, we finally got on our yes. show, um, as you will see in our interview, Brent Herrera. And obviously, well, let's not give a yeah, don't, Brent don't, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She does a great job interviewing yeah. her herself. But, I mean, if you really want somebody who's well-rounded, Absolutely. well-versed, and just a great, great conversation about anything and everything from food um, to fitness mm-hmm. to politics and the government and the president and law, I mean, this woman has it all. She is quite the influencer. Yep. And we were thrilled, absolutely thrilled to have her on the show. Yeah, and you'll find out why we say we finally got her when you yeah. heard the interview. And Bren, I'm so sorry that you, <laughs> your interview is part of one of the most... She probably appreciates ...disheveled it. episodes she we've ever had. She probably likes it. But, you know, so here is our interview with uh, Bren. Uh, enjoy. So welcome back, listeners. We have with us today lifestyle guru i mean i think we can we can sum it up best i mean she's <laughs> chef fashion you know politics politics i i think she probably changed the alternator of a car once um and she's fabulous <laughs> and she's fab and she does it all while being fabulous yes. absolutely we have the fantastic wow. bren herrera with us today Thank you so much, What's Bren. up, Cubanitos? What's up, Cubanos? Thank you, Bren. So we want to give a little bit of a background to our <laughs> yeah. listeners since we're all friends and family here. So we had actually months ago, I would say probably like four months ago, um, started an interview with Bren via Skype and the interview was going great. But then due to, <laughs> you know, I don't know, technical, technical difficulties, difficulties, if you will. <laughs> The interview didn't work out, so, you know, she was kind enough to, you know, we rebooked her, and here she is, and thank you so much, Bren. We really appreciate it. Bren's our lost interview. Oh, I love you guys, and I appreciate the tenacity, honestly. Um, (laughs) No, 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 no. Our people are known for their tenaciousness. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. So no, I appreciate it. And hey, ¿qué, qué pasa, mi gente? Or, are y'all's gente? Yeah, exactly. So, Brent, tell us a little bit of about yourself uh, to our listeners who who haven't haven't discovered you yet. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Oh wow, um, that sounds like a loaded question, but uh, <laughs> well, we know there's okay, been a lot happening uh, recently. Of, um, no, but let me tell you, <laughs> I um, soy Cubana, nacida, born in Havana, raised in the D.C. area my entire life. Right. Um, I have a, <laughs> I, I, I will keep it really, really brief because, you know, los Cubanos, we can be exagerado y we take forever to tell a story. But in essence, I am a um, lifestyle expert, media personality. I cook for a living and cool. both on TV and off. 
I have written a cookbook on modern pressure cooking. Well, the title is Modern Pressure Cooking. And, and I mention that because anybody listening to your podcast and follows Cuban culture, Latin culture, understands that for us, food is so much um, the centerpiece of our um, family dynamic and Absolutely. you know our friends and family. So I've been deciding, you know, having been raised criada in a home where um, it's five kids and my father, a lot of hungry mouths. He, mom cooked everything, cooks everything still in the pressure cooker. So I grew up in a very robust, very colorful, very dynamic Cuban home where we ate very fresh food every day. So through my journey in law, which is what my first career was after undergrad, because um, I was going to be this amazing kick-ass attorney, right? I believe um, it. <laughs> I was always entertaining my friends in school with food. So I've always been in love with cooking and entertaining through food. And I've been exposed to the pressure cooker my entire life. So I just had this chance, beautiful chance opportunity two years ago to write my dream book. Um, and so it was titled Modern Pressure Cooking because I take this vintage, very antiquated concept that we are all very familiar with and it's... modernize it with you know, technique with la olla. different ingredients. La olla. La olla, olla de presión, yeah. The infamous olla de presión. Well, if I can just interrupt um, you for a second, Brent, because I love the yeah. fact that, you, that you're focusing around you know, the pressure cooker, la olla de presión, because even to this day, and I'm almost 40, I am deathly afraid of the pressure cooker because my mother oh my put God. the fear of God into me about it. Like, no toques eso porque después explota la casa entera. And it's just like, to this day, I see a pressure cooker and I keep a healthy, like, four feet away from it. <laughs> wow. I'm not going to lie. Oh, but yeah, you need to get her That's book. why it's called modern pressure cooker. <laughs> yeah. I've been, I've, been on this, I've been on this, like, professional cultural journey of dispelling all of these they're trying to debunk all of these <laughs> yeah these fears that people have and I, I mean look they're understandable i understand que en la cocina los frijoles you know go flying and they're splattered everywhere because right. that little jiggler the regulator yep. you know goes flying but you know honestly it's i would say 99.9 percent .9 user error we need it now. So, oh yeah. <laughs> who has time to wait for those beans to cook in 30 minutes? Well, what would you tell somebody who, who you know, oh, yeah. who, who's anxious about using a pressure cooker? <laughs> I mean, here we are talking about pressure cookers, but let me tell you, what, what would you tell them to like get over? Pero let you know? me tell you, oh yeah, get over that fear. Like these modern pressure cookers no longer have those external regulators. Okay. You know, the <laughs> right like the new ones don't do that anymore and they they're complete they're 100 safe like you cannot open them at all oh. until all of the pressure is out so okay. i promise you the only and this is not even a risk this is just like you know with anything that you do in life when you're driving when you're claro. cooking you just have to be smart like just know your environment so when you're releasing pressure you're going to release pressure without putting your face or your hand in the path of the steam because it's possible that steam and vapor is, you know, yeah. 300, 400 degrees, it can be right. But again, you just, you know, just be intelligent like you would in any other area in your life and, you know, release the pressure with caution. But it's honestly, if you're, if you're, better let me tell you, audience knows who Maxine Waters is, you mm -hmm. know, oh, yeah. I'm, here to re I'm here to help you reclaim your time. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know what? You definitely were on to something because... That that gadget that came out like a year ago, the one yeah. pot thing, 
Um, Wasn't it like the, that's like a fryer or a pressure cooker and all that. Like, the Instapot. The Instapot. Like, it, it, a lot of people got it because it was a pressure cooker or it, it pressure cooks. So you were definitely yeah, onto something like I, there. I, I like it for sure. Um, in fact, I have a really good relationship with the founder. Not a good, re- like, working relationship with the founder of Instapot. But they definitely tapped into this market of people who, um, not even market, like society at large, of Insta now, right? We have Instagram, True. we have Insta everything. Right. So it only made sense to be able to Insta tap into, like Insta cook. Like, let me have my food now. But so, it's great. Like, I think the good thing about that particular pressure cooker, like the modern electric pressure cookers, is that you don't really have to know pressure cooking. It's, you know, I call it the hit it and quit it effect. You hit a button and quit it. Like, you walk away right. and it's done for you. Así que no tienes que tener un entendimiento profundo right. de cómo funciona, you know, the pressure cooker. So I can use it. Yeah. And not be, yeah. you know, I'm definitely. Evang- like, I'm still a purist when it comes to that. So I I love my modern pressure cookers, don't get me wrong. But I still very much so use my vintage pressure cookers. It's so funny know. because my grandmother has always made el flan in the pressure cooker. My mom too. Oh, honey, yes. Hello. Like, yeah. who has time to do a baño de maria? Yeah, because <laughs> so many people do the, the baño de maria. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, really? Because I grew up with my grandmother putting it in the pressure cooker. My mom, my mommy no, one. I, yeah, I make mine in the pressure cooker. Oh, yeah, give me minutos and it's a wrap. Yeah. <laughs> so, Bren, what would you say, I mean, in this world that... You know, there's there's so much of everything now, and 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 people that are either chefs or into food, um, whether they're um, foodies, a foodie now. What would you say? I mean, even among um, uh, Hispanic or Latin food, what would you say is your particular angle? So my, you know, when I started cooking professionally and publicly, <clears throat> it was very much to introduce people to again that very rich, robust, dynamic Cuban cuisine that's very rooted in the African diaspora. Yeah. And there are a lot of people who don't understand what Cuban food is. And because we are no longer an indigenous people, Cuban food is com- com- compromised of Spanish, African, and some other European, like a little bit of French here and there. Mm-hmm. So I really True. wanted to bring that to the fore through really traditional Cuban recipes, you know, la carne ripiada, ropa vieja. Um, la yuca, que si los platanitos, que si, tú sabes, el chicharo, all that stuff, right, that I grew up eating and that I love. So initially, it was very much rooted in that, right? I really wanted people to understand what Cuban cuisine and food was. Um, but then because I traveled a lot for work exploring food cultures all over the world, and I'm so thankful and blessed that I'm able to do that, even though I took a little break last year. Um, I started including other techniques, other ingredients, other foods, because the world is so, so beautifully filled with other textures and colors and things that could really enhance what was what, it, what already is there. Right. So then I morphed into like Latin fusion, mm-hmm. you know, so Latin fusion could be una combinación de taking <clears throat> la ropa vieja, but doing it in a more French style. Right. Still the same ingredients still the same flavors but just elevating the process and elevating your experience and introducing people to you know french technique interesting but now today 2019 um <clears throat> excuse me going through some personal lifestyle changes and just kind of taking ownership like full ownership of living my best life not just on the outward but also inwardly mm-hmm. i'm literally transitioning over to a very clean diet, excuse me, and 
I don't know what that means yet. I don't know what that I was going to say like what... as it relates to. I don't know what that looks like with respect to our food because, <laughs> truthfully, y para ser honesta, like Cuban food, Latin food in general is not what we would consider clean eating and clean no. living, right? Like no, chicharrones are not clean. Chicharrón is very carb heavy. You know, we like put double starches on our plates, right? We do like yuga yeah. y los platos, you know, yeah. like y arroz encima de eso. So it's like. We do like we quad carb. <laughs> I feel I feel it's like arroz. It's always rice plus always either rice. yuca or potatoes or malanga or yeah. whatever. We're the anti Atkins. <laughs> like where where are the vegetables? Where are the proteins? Like all that stuff is absent in our diet. Like we do not have a rounded. Well, no, a protein comes in like carne asada claro, or yeah. picadillo or lechon lo que sea. But you know now, I mean, I, I look. I celebrate my Cubanism every single day. <laughs> And I think it's funny that people are like, oh, my gosh, she speaks, like, fluent Spanish. Like, but what did you think? Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've been trying to be a little more. I know that I'm sidebar hearing, but no. I'm trying to be a little more intentional about people letting people know that I am very much a Cuban woman. Um, and I speak fluent Spanish and I'm very much in love with my Cuban culture and very much in love with my Cuban food. But I also have to be aware of where I am today. Like, I can no longer eat the same way. Like, yo no puedo espantarme. Like... <laughs> Un plato de frijoles with carne asada and yuca and platanito frito and then have eat on bed. Like, that's okay. impossible. Like, so let's do this. Let's now. let's have that now. When you figure <laughs> out how to eat clean Cuban food, let us know. And right. we'll have a whole episode <laughs> oh on Brent's yes, clean. Let's do this. Like, dame ese mese to, like, figure out what that looks like. Because right now, the, the clean eating that I'm doing is very much what you see out there, right? Like, right. Very, very, very green, very, very, very lean, very plant based, and oh my god, like who are you? Like who this? Yeah. Like I ain't Cuban eating like this, right? But it's but, but it's so funny. I don't want. I have to be true to myself, but also be true to myself. So how can I'm? How can I find that really happy place of eating and enjoying all of our foods in a very clean way? Right? No, I I agree, and I think that's something that we struggle with, you know, across the board. But I think it's funny because you know, then you speak to like your grandparents or what have you, and they'll tell you like. Yo no sé, fulano comía, you know, arroz y con gris, yuca, hasta el día que se murió y... And he was you know, fine. He was 102. You know yeah. what I mean? Y la presión like, alta and, tenía. Ajá, ni la presión alta tenía. It was like, you know, these people lived in this perfect health, eating, you know, these heavy foods their entire their entire life. And it must have been somewhat true if they lived to 102. Yeah. <laughs> so, Brent, something I actually want to touch base on that you kind of started to mention um, in terms of, like, when people are surprised that you speak fluent Spanish and that you're Cuban, uh, a term that we hear a lot now and we've discussed here on the show, um, the term Afro-Latina. Um, yeah. We... Um, the first time we talked about it here in the show, we referred to we referred to it as um, Amara la Negra. Um, you know that right. she's Dominican and she's from Miami and she considers herself Afro Latina. And she's had a lot of push pushback by using that term. We then had um, a guest, two guests, well, they're twins, they're twins on our yeah. show <laughs> that they're you know they're two Cuban Afro Latinas and you know they talked about that. You know, from your experience being an Afro Latina, why do you think this has been? So so difficult for America to grasp because as Ish and I have talked about before, you know, like Celia Cruz, Celia Cruz was black, but to us she was Cuban. You know what I mean? It's like, why do you think it's something that people have had such a hard time grasping? So I think that for us, I'm going to speak specifically to Cubans, right? Like okay. 
there is this huge pink elephant in the room that nobody really talks about, and that's the whole intra-racial thing, right? True. Que si los blancos cubanos, que si los negros, que si los jabalos, que si los cartuchos, que si los mestizos, que si los mulatos, right? So yeah. you got all these color variants, right? <clears throat> and colorism is real, whether you are African-American, whether you are Latino-American, whether you are Latino living in your country. Mm -hmm. Um And I, I say that because I remember one of my first visits to Cuba after I after we left. I was a very little girl. Um, we were standing in line to catch um, a cameo, which was like this ratchet ass <laughs> bus that no longer exists in Cuba. Oh, they don't exist anymore? No, from what I hear, they don't no longer exist. Yeah, a cameo. So I remember standing in line with my tia. And, you know, the system, and I won't get into that. Too, I won't belabor that point. But, right. una negra. Right in line, una negra. Like I'm not talking about light skin, but una negra, right. a little dar darker. Right. And this black guy comes and cuts in line, and you know it's like you do not do that. Like we've been standing for an hour and a half waiting for the darn bus to show up. So she says to him, "El tuco said negro." Like she was so upset, and the fact that she said "El tuco said negro" to me said so much and spoke volumes yeah. of how we see each other. Right. Like he was. Because he behaved that way, he had to be black. She's like, buying really? into it. Right. So I feel as though for Cubans, and, and now I'll speak large to the larger group of Latinos, we don't need to tell each other that we're Afro-Latino. Like, we understand that we're black. Like, Cubans, Dominicans, Puerto Ricans, like, you know, Dominicans mostly are, mo Dom most of Dominicans are black. Right. You know, the a larger population of Cubans are black. Like, we all came from Africa. Like, somos negro. Like, at the end of the day, like, we are black people, and I think that the majority of us understand that. So we don't need to explain that to each other. Like, I don't need to. Re I don't. You. I don't need to tell you guys that I'm Afro Latina, because you understand. And we use right, the term. Right, right. Oh yeah, I mean, what's going on, right? And I get that. You get that. Right. I think that the term Afro Latina, or Afro Cuban, or whatever, has been this term in order for other people, non Latinos, right. to understand that we're not just Cuban or that I'm not just a light-skinned Guana or that I'm not a, uh, oh, but she looks black. Well, what does being looking black, what does me looking black mean? Or what does Amara La Negra looking black mean? No, she is a black woman. Right. And I think that the term helps resolve for non-Latinos that dissonance where you're not black even though you look black because you speak Spanish. And I went through that in high school, like my friends, my black American friends would say, well, you speak Spanish, so you're not black. And they didn't understand that Latinos. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Are black people, or you know, there are there is a there is a race of black people within the Hispanic right, right. race and diaspora. culture are two different things. Right, right. But, but, so uh, I think that I think that it resolves that it has not yet. I think the pushback comes. I think with respect to DR, there are a lot of Dominicans who don't own being black. So I think that that pushback comes from people understanding that. Right, I and and I I also think it has to do with people's perception, and this would be non-Hispanic or non-Latin people. People per, people's perception of what a Latino is. They think a Latino is supposed to look a certain way and the moment that you're either black or even if you're white even if you're white blue-eyed and blonde they're like wait wait you're hispanic you know like right, right. like because right. i'm you know i'm fair skin i have light eyes and brown hair and i mean i can't tell you how many times people have been stopped in their tracks when they say wait wait you speak spanish you're you're hispanic and i'm like uh yeah and there's a lot of people yeah. that look like me <laughs> So I think yeah. I think it yeah it counters what a lot of non-Latin people's perception of being Latin is. Well, I think you know the media. You know we do ourselves a disservice by not talking and by not reading and being hip to you know history. Right. Uh, history shows you these things, right? So if you just do a little bit of research, you'll see the African diaspora. Mm -hmm. in Latin America, particularly the Caribbean. So again, I think that the term Afro-Latina is very much a way for us. For, I mean, I use it so that I can like, not have to really dumb it down and engage people in this long conversation about, oh, girl, but you look you look like a light-skinned girl. You look like, <laughs> right. like a light-skinned sister. Well, I am, actually, you know? Right. Um, it doesn't take away. Spanish, and yes, I was born in Cuba. And so it I just I don't know I feel like it helps resolve it for non-latinos non-hispanics and it helps us also kind of mitigate a little bit where we own that. There's always this gray area with afro-latinos yeah. based on our complexion and our identifiable features. Yeah. And I'm going to I'm going to call out latinos for a minute here cuz you know what guys like you said there's a lot of african you know diaspora and spanish influence but let's all be realistic. None of the rhythm that we get in the Caribbean comes from the Spaniards because we've seen Spaniards dance. Okay. <laughs> oh my. Well, you know. And so the, I own that. I'm like. Too, hmm. What was that? I mean, I said, well, you know, the the Christians and the Moors and the Spanish are very. I mean, you've got you've got the sector of the Spanish people who are black, but not necessarily owning that. You know. Right. Yeah. And that I think that that's just an international. Yeah, it's a, it, it's a broader. Yeah, and here in the United yeah, States, people are all about putting you in a box, and right, and you know, we we live in a very box society. You're either this or that or that, but God forbid you're more than one. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, I think I think it's interesting. What I have seen my black girlfriends, not my black non-Latino girlfriends, support Amara because she looks like them. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Right. 
she they identify with her. She's got a big booty. She wears her hair natural. She's got a big afro. Yeah, she's, she's very curvy. She's dark skinned. She's highly melanated. So black women who are not Latina see her and they're like, oh, she looks just like me. So I think that she's really done a really great deal for yeah. non-Latinos to understand black, I, you know, black non-Latinos to understand that. Black people are all over the place, and it's not just... I just couldn't believe the blowback, because again, as you mentioned to us, being Cuban, it, it you know, that's something so natural and second nature, and then she got all this, like, blowback over it, and I'm like, I just don't, you know, it's like, still happening, you know, like, that she, they were so critical of her identification, but anyway, so... We want to transition now to something a little bit more controversial, I guess, because oh. aside of you being this wonderful foodie and, you know, and cooking and all that, you are also very into politics. Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, there are the yeah, other days where I'm like, really? Really, am I doing this? Am I talking about this? Like, how did I get caught back up in this world? But you're from, but... you were raised in D.C., so it's almost inevitable, isn't it? Yeah, you know, I... Look, I'm I'm the first one to tell you, like, I'm a political junkie. Like, I, I you know, I, I only watch the news. I don't watch reality TV. Good. I don't even watch cooking shows, honestly. <laughs> the um, news is the new crap. reality TV. <laughs> yeah, there, this, it, it's a new thing, Mike. It's, it's, it's mind-boggling, actually. Train wrecks. People like train wrecks. <laughs> but my father was a political journalist his entire life, and... Um, used to work for Radio Martí. Oh, wow. So I was exposed to Cuban politics. I have been exposed to Cuban politics my entire life. Dinner was always a recap of La Noticia. Not just Cuban, but just globally too, right? Because again, my father was a periodista. And, and I just had this natural affinity for international policy, um, particularly, again, the relationship between the U.S. and Cuba, and also the U the relationship between the U between Cuba and Russia, right. you know, the Cold War and all that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, again, having been in a home where politics really dominated the dinner table or the dinner conversation, um, when I went to UVA, I naturally studied political science, and then yeah, I worked in law and I interned on the Hill. <clears throat> wow, that's um, fantastic. John, yeah, for John Dingle, who was until recently the longest-standing member of Congress. Democrat from Michigan. Yeah, I've just always been interested in how government works, how policies are so, made. You know, how I want to pick. Us. I want to pick your brain on something because I, I'm very into politics as well. Maybe, maybe I don't have your credentials and your pedigree, <laughs> but but I'm, you know, I'm also into politics as well. And something I discussed here earlier, and and I would love to get your thoughts on this, is that I feel that american media on the most hand is very um they practically i i feel like they don't care about matters in latin america um you know in europe uh, you know obviously there's terrible things happening in in the middle east and all that and it gets so much coverage here rightfully so i mean i i've said it that i've cried over you know images of syria and 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 things like that they just break your heart yet in, you know, things going on right now in, like, Venezuela, for example, um, with the government of Maduro, with, you know, students and teenagers, you know, being shot down and all that. And it gets very, very little coverage. What would you say, I mean, what, is, what are your thoughts on that in terms of American media coverage on, you know, matters of Latin America? You know, I've always, well, I'm not going to say I've always, I, I've wondered about that. Um, 
I didn't spend a lot of time studying Latin American politics when I was in school, although I, I had to take a course or two. Um, I think that there is just this lack of understanding. Latin America is is made up of 21 countries, right? That is huge. You've got 21 countries with 21 different governments. That's a lot of ground to cover. And then you've got the United States, who is a country who is fairly and relatively young still. And we've got a lot of crap going on, like truthfully, like the news cycle stays busy simply covering our own mess, right? I don't think that we have our hands our physical hands, our policy hands in Latin America enough to, for the political, for the news cycle to really justify covering it as much as you and I may think it merits. Mm -hmm. I think there's just, again, a general lack of understanding of Latin American culture. And there is not an imminent threat from Latin America the way there is potentially with the Middle East, right? Right. Um, And our interest, both financial, infrastructure, and otherwise, with the Middle East. You know, we've got oil, gas, we've got all these resources that we really depend on from the Middle East, but what resources are we really depending on from Latin America, you know? So I think that that could contribute to what I consider to be, again, you know, perpetuation of that. If that's a word, perpetuation of... You know, <laughs> it is now. Lack of, lack, it is now. Lack, oh, my God, I have an English degree, too. My bad. Um, <laughs> lack of general understanding of how it works. And so when you don't understand something, you don't really talk about it. Right. Right? Like, right. I think that that's what happens. Um, I think it's important for outlets like, you know, HuffPost Latino to cover, but then HuffPost Latino is really focusing on the Latin American experience within the United States. But right. I would I would like to see more coverage of what's going on in Venezuela, in Chile, in Cuba. Again, all these other countries, in Nicaragua, you know, not yeah. just the damn wall, not just Mexico. Like, right. oh my God, Mexico is not the only Latin American country. Mm-hmm. You know? And not all Latin Americans Americans are from Mexico. <laughs> right. <laughs> What was that? And not all Latin Americans are from Mexico. (laughs) No, I mean, I just, again, that's just Latin. I I get that, you know, Mexico is, was part of the United States. Like, I get it. I get that we have that interest. You know, we're on the border. But perhaps it's just too complicated, too complex, and we've got our hands in too many pots, no pun intended, in the Middle (laughs) East that keep them the news. Just too and too busy. Here's the other thing. Otra cosa. We are just not represented in news media. Like there are not a lot of Latino journalists and political commentators or political scientists who can go and speak to these things. So we're not we're already underrepresented. Yeah. That's that's a fair that's a very fair point. I mean I think it's one of those things where if you're not there who really is going to take the interest, as it were? We need Ana Navarro more than ever. <laughs> oh, I, I think she's amazing. I think she's. I mean, she's she's taking one for everyone, right? She's yeah. taking one for the team. But we need we need more of her, and not just on CNN and Español. Like we need we need right. more of us on American cable networks. She's right? actually because I'm a big big fan of The View. She's actually um, a regular panelist now on Fridays on The View. Oh, I had no, I had like I haven't watched her TV in a minute, so I didn't realize. I mean, I love watching her on CNN, um, but I, just, you know, we just need more of us all. Like, I don't even care if it's on Fox, you know, 
just more views, just just we just need more of us talking about from where we come and the issues that really embody Latin America because at the end of the day I mean what happens internationally affects us right yeah I mean so Bren that's just what it is with your political science degree your background your expertise where do you see this Mueller investigation going Mira, I, look. <laughs> oh my God, that's... Eso es un arroz con mango. <laughs> es un arroz con mango. Es un bocaje. Um, Trump is, he cannot, he's not going to get reelected. I have friends who, liberal, who think that he for sure will win a 2020 reelection. Mm-hmm. I think that what. I'm one of those people. Really? I'm a liberal and I, I'm, I. I don't know. I'll tell you what changed the tide. I think that up until the shutdown, Mm -hmm. maybe. But this shutdown, I think, really, really, really allowed people on both sides to see what's really wrong with him. I hope because when he gave his um, su discurso, if you will, the other day to open up the the, to open up the government for thirty five days, the government was closed, and he walked away with not a single penny. Yes, this is a provisional reopening. But for 35 days, he literally let the federal government shut down. People did not get two paychecks, okay? Employees did not get two paychecks. And I think that that hit home. So all these people who voted for him and supported him and they're out here. I'm not talking about the white nationalist base. I'm talking about, you know. The people who wanted, quote, unquote, change. The people who wanted change. It got really real for them. And I think that that's going to... I think that that was where the change of tide happened. Honestly, I don't think that he has a chance to get reelected. Uh, but you never know. It's 2019. People people forget real easily. Oh, yeah. You know. Yeah. If you get your back pay and things are back in order, people forget very quickly. You know the bad times. If he's going to continue pandering to you know that base and continue instilling fear, we need this damn wall. Like, is he serious right now? Like, if he con- if that message continues. And the Democrats even ever so slightly given, you know, he may have a chance. But I, I think that the government shutdown helped change the tide. And I'm a registered independent, but I, it's remarkable to me how much the right defends and justifies the things that this president and the administration do. I mean, Trump said that um, Roger Stone was treated worse than, you know, what did he say, like a trash uh employee or worker um i mean i mean the 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 fact that he would sit up here and protect roger stone and say that he was mistreated like seriously no do you realize why the fbi went to his house the way they did i mean clearly they're not showing up at my house (laughs) i mean they're not exactly they're trying to protect information that they know could be you know indicting and maybe there was going to be some document destruction who knows right so you know i mean the fact that they did that We'll never really know why they did that, especially because the FBI wasn't even being paid. Um, <laughs> but no, they weren't being paid. Like, let's keep it real. Like, if some muchachos weren't being paid to go up in there, but yeah. you know, they did it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm just fascinated by the whole thing. I think it's like the biggest train wreck. I think it's an embarrassment to our country and everything that everybody in this country has fought for our freedoms, our liberties, our democracy, um, our soldiers that are out there fighting every day. But then we've got a situation that's really setting us up for, I mean, 
you guys, the airports were shut down the other day because there were not enough TSA employees. Oh, I know. I flew. I flew the other day. It was not fun. Oh, did you? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it's like that's. But he's subjecting us to this. So how could you even wrap? I mean, how do you even justify this? You know? No, I, I agree. So that... I think I think I think the bigger I think the big and I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. No, I think no, the bigger no, problem is that we are totally day by day potentially stripping away everything that this country stands for and the people again who have worked so hard and have died mm -hmm. for this country we're just we're just stripping that away. and i think that you and i as cubans the three of us can really understand how precious our liberties of are and how precious democracy is. we don't have to agree with everything that this government does we i mean this government is not perfect by any stretch of oh. the imagination but democracy at large works right when done right it works Correct. so i i as liberal as i am i also understand why my parents or why my father is a staunch republican i understand their journey right. and that's why i also understand how important to me it is to be able to think for myself and live freely and not allow this government to come here and do what it's doing. I mean, it's 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 an abomination, honestly. No, I I, I think we agree with you 110 percent. I mean, again, being the the children of you know Cuban immigrants of ourselves, Cuban immigrants, and, yeah. You know, we get it. But I think something else, and I'm gonna I'm gonna transition a little bit here, is you know something that you and I believe it's your sister are doing is you know you're you're giving back in in a way to this country. Um, you know, in a sense, I know you have set up a foundation, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, called the Adventure Amputee Camp, which helps uh, differently oh. abled uh, children, and it provides them. It's a summer program, right? That where, where they get yeah. to go and just uh, have summer camp. I'm so glad that you asked about that. I mean, it's it's a passion project yeah. uh, of my sister's. Let me just be clear: it's, it's not a foundation; <laughs> it's a nonprofit organization. Okay, okay. Um, that she. So my sister's is amazing. Like, you need to interview my sister. Una cubanita completely different personality um <laughs> but that's like my ride or die home girl all day every day right? <laughs> uh carusita my parents call her carusita and you know i call her sissy Aww. but uh yeah yeah we're like complete polar opposite personalities but um yeah when she was in school getting her doctorate degree her mentor or excuse me her um advisor had found founded this organization 20 one years ago oh, wow. uh, called Adventure Amputee Camp. And while my sister was in school, she tapped into her to be a counselor. And after the first year of being a counselor, she was like, oh my gosh, this girl's a leader. So she, that woman, Missy, uh, mm -hmm. stepped down and completely turned over the camp to my sister. So my wow. sister has been the executive director now for 11 years. And right. Way uh, to go, it's Carusita. Yeah. Carusita, right? Carusita. Yeah. Um, when I say nonprofit, guys, like every expense that my sister has for the camp comes out of her pocket and she does not get paid a single penny. Wow. So, um, yeah, it's a North, it's based in North headquarters are here in, in the DC area, but the camp happens in North Carolina. That's a beautiful five days area in, uh, July in the mountains in the smoky mountains. And can I tell you, it's like literally changed my life. I have volunteered with her as a, as a counselor in the past. Um, but more recently in the last three years, she's brought me on to do social media for them um, but also be like the kitchen angel, if you will. She calls mm -hmm. them kitchen angels. Aww. And uh, I go in and I do, you know, most of the food. There are church volunteers that come in and help with the food um, as well. But I manage the kitchen program for those five days. And I cannot tell you what a blessing it is to be with these, some, you know, up to 45 kids. They're all, they all have an amputation of some type. It could be a lateral or a bilateral, a Aww. quad. Um, 
but just to see these five kids, excuse me, these, these children for five days, all whom come from different backgrounds, live literally their best life in a way that you and I probably don't even know how mm-hmm. is amazing. But, you know, camp is 100% free for the children, transportation, food, lodging, activities, everything is 100% covered. Um, and through the courteous or the, through the generous donations of, you know, pe- private people like you and myself, and then smaller organizations that really care about um, the physical well-being and health of children, not just children with amputations, but children in right, general. Right, yeah. Um, but yeah, they've been in, they've been in existence 22 years and uh, I, I just can't tell you how much of a, I mean, it's just, I'm just humble that she even invites me back every year. Right. And I'm always eager, like in January to get that email from her, like, will you please come back and be a volunteer? And I'm like, yes. So, you know, the, the counselors come from all over the country. Like people take five days off of work Oh wow! for no pay and they pay for their own transportation or their own way. If Like she's got one counselor who's been with her seven years now, Mike, he comes from Michigan every year on his own dime. Um, and I mean, it's amazing. I mean, I can't say enough about adventure amputee camp. Um, these children have literally changed my life and my perspective on just living and being excited to do things every single day and pushing our bodies and our minds. Yeah, um, That's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. I mean, we'll go ahead. Amazing. What we'll do is we'll go ahead and put the links on our, on our Instagram. We'll put the picture and the links to, I mean, I imagine they're on social media or they have a website. Yeah. We'll put the links so our listeners can take a look and, you know, hopefully yeah. some people will get involved or bring awareness to, to this because it's, I mean, it's quite remarkable. No, I appreciate it. I've, uh, they, they've been very, um, I don't know, they've been very modest in their efforts to like, they don't have a publicist. Like I would love to hire a, a PR team that would do it pro bono because again, of they course. are 100% nonprofit, and every year they're scrambling for funds to make camp happen. And you know they've been very modest with their efforts. So I'm also trying to help them kind of figure out what their strategy is going forward, so that they have a more, you know, a broader reach through interviews and media appearances, et cetera. So I'm really I'm so thankful that you guys brought that up and that. You allowed me a few minutes to talk about it, but their website is adventureamputeecamp.org, mm-hmm. and on Facebook they're just Adventure Amputee Camp, and on Instagram they're AAC. Okay, we'll um, definitely put the links up, you yeah, know, absolutely. Um, oh, awesome, on our awesome, Instagram. Yeah. So, Bren, we've talked about we have talked <laughs> politics, you know, charity, food, oh, yeah, pressure cookers. I mean, <laughs> if if you're not an all around, you know, <laughs> goddess, I don't know what is. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> That's you guys. You guys are the ones over there curating fabulous people to bring on. Like, I know my girl Marta, who I've actually yep. never met in person, but Marta, they're my big fat Cuban um, yes, family. That, amazing. That's our home um, yeah, out, out west. Yeah. Yeah, out west, out in Cali. Yeah. yeah. Um, love what she's doing for our culture as well. So, I mean, you guys are the. You know the amazing ones here, curating and tapping into all these amazing people that can speak to really great things. So, We're trying. I mean, but I could I could talk about I could talk to you guys for days, and you'd be like, "Ay, Dios mío, but eso ni se me ocurrió." Wow, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's what I'm not kidding. When you figure out how to eat clean Cuban, you let us know, and we're booking you on here. Again. Yeah. Okay. Let me tell you. The other day, you guys, my mom. Cause, so I'm like, I'm testing out veganism just to see like what my body does or whatever. So okay. los otros días I was making, um, no sé, like 
I don't know what I was making, but I was like, mami, ¿quieres probar esto? She's like, tú estás loca. She's like, no, 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 no. A mí me gusta mi carne, a mí me gusta el pollo fricase. I'm like, mami, just try it with me for 30 days. She's like, oye, yo tengo 67 años. Like, there is no reason for me at this point in my life to, like, eat like this. She's like, tú estás loca. Like, I'm not doing it. I'm like, mami, just for 30 days. She's like, no, 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 no. Tú puedes comer como el pajarito ese que tú quieras. Pero a mí, I need, I need my, um, I need my, my, um, She's like, I like my. Well, I, I will say, as a, as a staunch carnivore, though, if you are ever in Los Angeles, <laughs> I will tell you, there is a Cuban vegan restaurant. That sounds like oh. an oxymoron. Called. That sounds and, like an oxymoron. It's it's, sure. actually, it's near, kind of, sort of the the through. Uh, it's nearish to LAX. It's called Ekelequa. Okay. It's called Ekelequa, and it. Is actually pretty good. I gotta say, like I had, I forgot what I had. I think it was like ropa vieja, but you know, obviously it wasn't meat. Um, it's all done with like soy, and it's and it, the owners are Cuban. They've been to Cuba. They, I mean, like so it's authentic Cuban. Like the beans had the right taste and all that stuff. So I recommend it if you're if you're ever in Los Angeles and you're you're still on that vegan kick, mm-hmm. give it a shot. <laughs> no, I like I made um, you eat some picadillo two weeks ago with soy and. I, it came out really, really good because I did. I used the same ingredients, the same spices. It's so frito. It's so frito. Yeah. It's yeah. like basic, right? Like I applied the same exact everything that I would do with carne, right? right. So yeah. it actually tasted really good. It's just a matter of getting your palate acclimated to a new texture or a new, yeah, exactly. a slightly different flavor. So I'm sure ropa might be a little tricky. Well, um, they did it. <laughs> you know, black beans are vegan. Just you know, just keep the ham hock yeah, out. Just yeah. keep the turkey out. I mean, I, I've always made vegan beans anyway I, i've never referred to them as vegan they've just been my black beans but <laughs> now that i think about it so i'm vegan porque no tienen ni carne ni esto ni yeah, so yeah um but yeah if i when i when i'm gonna claim it when i find that really really good you know intersection of clean cuban food i'm gonna be like yo guys let's talk about this yeah it, absolutely <laughs> like i'm i'm like excited <laughs> we'll start la cantina yeah. together like, <laughs> let's do it la cantina <laughs> i'm trying you know my biggest challenge no lie is trying to find like how how in the world am I gonna make a vegan flan? Like oh my god, you read flan. my mind, Brenton. Like, you read my mind. <laughs> flan is like my favorite thing in the world. Like well, flan, the- flan is what got me started, literally in this in this space of food publicly. Like I have over fifty flavors of flan, <gasps> and I'm like, come on, I can't divorce myself from. You flan. have fifty like, flavors of flan. Yeah, hello. Like my original blog was flamboyant. Okay, no, I'm going to yeah. DC like tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> No, but like I am like I am mod- humbly like the flan queen that that doesn't eat so much flan anymore. But I love flan. Like, oh my god, like I love it. So yeah. you yeah, can't like, see it. Whatever. He's at a so loss I'm like, I need to find yeah. a flan recipe that can be vegan and still really yummy. But yo, I think that that's almost impossible. Honestly, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's a, that's gonna be a challenge. Yeah. yeah. Bueno, Brent, thank you so so much for taking time out of you know everything that you do to <laughs> talk to us. We did it. We finished we the interview. Finished. With we were Brent. able to oh do my it. God. <laughs> I think I think that um, whenever we take a hiatus again as a bonus episode, we should have our the first interview with her, the lost tapes. <laughs> oh my god, I cannot even. So I was wondering, I was like, oh my god, are we gonna like follow up? Are we gonna pick up? Like, there's no way that that was three months ago. There's no way we can pick up that interview. Like, no, no, we gotta no. start over from scratch. From scratch, from scratch. So yeah. thank you so thank much. You so thank much, you so much. All right, guys, we, we were really excited you. about oh, yeah, this. Oye, mi gente, cuídense. Hey, everybody, welcome back. Welcome back. Now, I think what we can all take away from our interview with Brent is 
it's now safe to use olla de presión. Yes. That's that's the moral of the story. <laughs> the pressure cooker is our friend. Is our friend, yes. And from a more structured interview <laughs> to the fiasco <laughs> of um, our intro, um, we are thirsty and we have our last Cokes. Yes, last soda time. Do you want to so, go first? No, you go first. I feel that I always go first. I think it's because you're usually more prepared with your last soda. Like, you've got it mm. on point. Well, being prepared is not what this episode <laughs> has been about. So, you know. So, my last soda is actually going to Steven Tyler. The oh, okay. of Aerosmith. Um, I just found out, literally just found out as we were recording this episode. And I keep checking, you know, social media to see what the kids are talking about. Um... He has just opened up his second home for girls who've been neglected or abused. And they're called Janie's House, after Janie's Got Got a Gun, gun. um, which I love that song in that video. Um, I believe this one is in Memphis. The first one was uh, in Atlanta. And the first one was um, created in 2017. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I guess somebody who's had as many personal struggles as steven tyler has mm-hmm. he's been very public about it you know it kind of makes sense that he'd want to give back but i just find it interesting that he took that route yeah you know going the route of that's good of you know abused and and traumatized you know young women so i really like him i but he's always been consistent like her why aren't they doing a duet i know right <laughs> with both of their screeching voices but you know what I like about him is that he's always been a little crazy and he's always been out there. But that's there. just who he is. But that's just who he is. He's yeah. never apologized it's not for it. He's never. It's not. It's not a, exactly. Yeah. It's Unlike not Unlike some act. people in Vegas. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that enigma me tiene un poco mal. <laughs> Actually, you know my favorite part of your whole Lady Gaga <laughs> you know, spiel was when you said, when she says in the show, Oh, why does it sound like me? And you're like, because she just said that she's your soul, you dummy. <laughs> Get to me. <laughs> okay, let's not turn Janie's house Janie's, into Janie's the house of Gaga. So, last soda to Mr. Steven Tyler, you know, even though he was more when he was like an American Guayla. Idol. That seemed so wrong. Okay, but at least he's a singer. No, it's just his personality, his who he is, doesn't look like... Doesn't scream mentor. Uh, yes, not even mentor, but like the structure of American Idol. You know what I mean? It's like... Eh. Well, he was on it for a while, though, right? I think a couple of seasons. I think he stayed till the end, no? No. Um, I don't know. No, he was, it he ended was, with J-Lo and Keith Urban. Yeah, he was he was there for a couple of seasons. Yeah, so, yeah. Okay, speaking of seasons... Oh, and instead of a ribbon cutting, they had a scarf cutting. Oh, that that's cute. That's yeah. cute. Um, my last soda goes to two of my favorite shows are ending this season or next season, which are the Real House, okay, the Real and uh, the Real's ending. No, oh, <laughs> which is Fuller House and Suits. Yes. So I have mixed feelings about both of them for different reasons. Suits as. Well, if you've been listening to us since yeah, you should episode one, I, I somehow bring up Suits in every other episode. It's the episodes where he doesn't bring up CBS Sunday Morning. <laughs> no, CBS Sunday Morning just celebrated its 40th anniversary, so it's not going anywhere anytime soon. But Suits, um, for those of you who have not watched it, you should start watching now. You can see Meghan Markle before she was royalty. 
But anyway, it got renewed for a ninth and final season. And that one I'm actually, I'm okay with because the show kind of already jumped the shark and mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's it had its, its seasons. Moment. It already had its moments. The whole premise of the show is already it's it's out the window. Done, it's, yeah. It doesn't exist, the whole original premise of the show. So I'm glad to see that one go while it's still good. Um, but Fuller House, I... I well, five years is a respectable run nowadays. Yeah, it is. It is. And I know that it's not like it used to be on network television that a show can run for 10 years. But, I mean, I feel Full House, Fuller House has such a momen- momentum still. And from mm-hmm. everything I read, it still has like a lot of rating. It's still one of the best rated shows on Netflix. So it was. it's a little surprising that it got... I mean, it did get renewed for a fifth and final season, right. and the final right. season is going to consist of even more episodes. But, but yeah. Well, I think and we're I gotta say, bye to the Tanners again. It's like, geez, well, most people don't even get that opportunity. I know. You know, like I was saying earlier, I think most shows after five years they renegotiate the the contracts mm-hmm. of everybody, and. Every season, it seems like that show got more and more characters. Yeah, <laughs> that became regulars on every episode. Yeah. Yeah. So it was probably a little costly to keep going. But I will say that when it's all said and done, the best thing that came out of that was Fernando. Yes, and if I don't think he's listening, but hope uh, you have a speedy recovery, Juan Pablo de Pache. Que pasó, Jesus? He <laughs> did he take the wheel? Oh no. He actually, he was supposed to be with Dancing with the Stars, touring with Dancing uh-huh. with the Stars. He performed, I think, the opening nights at Radio City. Uh-huh. And in the since the new year, because I follow him on Instagram, he's been having, like, problems, like abdominal pains. Mm-hmm. And he's gone to, like, eight different doctors. And, you know, he's, like, on mandatory bed rest. He's had to cancel the, the rest I of his appearances on the tour. Yeah, so. Oh. Yeah. So, speedy recovery. I'm sorry, Fernando. I hope you got better. Yep. So, anyway, so that's my last Coke of the Desert to Suits and Fuller House, two of my favorite shows. Very different shows. Are they? Very, uh, uh, yeah. I feel Kimmy Gibbler could have been a lawyer. Probably. Yeah. Probably. So, anyway, bueno, that was episode 49. The good, the bad, and the mixed up. The Next is the big 5-0. The big 5-0. Let's see. We, we need to have a 50th and a we 50th episode special. We should do something like special. a hook. Let's eat 50 donuts. Oh, that's so <laughs> That's so much dough. No, in our twenty-first episode, by the end of it, we we're, were drunk. If we eat fifty donuts, by the end of it, we'll be dead. <laughs> <laughs> by like episode, yeah, but no, by like donut Minute number 12, eighteen, yeah. I'll be like, and that is. Wow. <laughs> so as always, everybody, we hope you listen, laughed, and learned. Although I don't know, except for Brent's interview, I don't know there was much learning in our parts. They learned about. Super Bowl commercials, maybe. Uh, maybe. Um, but we hope you listen, laughed, and learn. And as always, grab your croqueta, your pastelita, and your jopinha. And thank you so much for joining us. All right. Cuídense, caballero. Bye. you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment look younger feel like you add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with juvederm voluma xc reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with juvederm volure xc 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 